All right, so we've been going back over this idea of a revival family and who I believe we are and what the Lord's called us. And we, we talked, we've talked, actually it's the third week in a row, but we, we're called to bring healing and restoration. We're, we're called to do a lot of things. We actually, I felt like even this morning, like we probably could have just stayed right where we were and, and we're supposed to be a people that praise Jesus in the midst of all the junk that's going on. And, uh, and so that's, that's who we are in the midst of it as well. We don't go to social media to vent. We actually go to Jesus and we bless him and seek him and ask him for guidance and ask him for direction. And so, so this morning I felt like the Lord um, was leading me to share specifically on we're a people that just value the presence of the Lord. And, and like, I value church services. I love church services. I, I, like, what we went through a few months ago, like, don't like it. Don't want that to happen again, right? That was not, like, I mean, it was the, the I wouldn't even say the excitement. Like, the first few weeks of, of just sharing online, like, that was great, whatever. But, I mean, it got old real quick. Because we miss this right here. Like, I can talk to a camera or a phone all I want until I turn blue in the face, but there's nothing like being in a room full of people that you call family, right? And not just in a room with people that you call family, but, but gathered around the presence of God together. And, and so I see the Lord just stressing the value of being a house that values the presence. Now, what I believe... I, I, I believe for a lot of ways that what COVID-19 and all the turmoil that's going on, I believe what it has done is, is one, really large churches aren't meeting right now because they don't have the logistics to. They just don't. I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine like how someone like Southeast or someone like that is trying to figure out how to even do what they like just as I don't understand how they can do it. We've been fortunate in the fact that we have enough square footage that we're quote unquote legally allowed to, to meet and all that type of stuff. But what I believe the Lord's actually doing, that's not, not even what I was wanting to talk about, but, but what I believe the Lord's doing in this is we're almost getting a reset button because what's going to happen after this COVID stuff dies down and the turmoil from the, the protests and the rioting and the turmoil from the election that's coming up, like I believe what the Lord is doing is he's giving us a chance to get our priorities in alignment. Okay, now now there's going to be some there's going to be some that won't and they're going to go back to business as usual and and that's okay. But I believe there's a group of people the Lord's raising up that's going to be like what God is doing in us and I say in us and and amongst us is a big deal and we're not going to miss it because we're longing for the days of yesteryear. Okay, and and. And now, what God did yesterday was of the utmost importance, okay? And I'm not talking about throwing everything away. I'm talking about just being on board with what he's doing right now. And I believe he's using this as an opportunity for the church to begin to rise up. He's using it as an opportunity. Now, the, the world needs Jesus. It's very evident. And the world needs people filled with Jesus, 
listen to me. He, the world doesn't need people who say, I go to church. We should go to church out of, as a byproduct of our love of Jesus. What the world needs is spirit-filled believers that value and host the presence of the Lord in their day-to-day life because then we're going to have the ability to give a word of encouragement or, or maybe give a word of, of discernment or, 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 or a word of knowledge, if you will, or, or whatever they need in that moment. We're going to have that ability to give it to them because we've placed such a high priority on this. Okay? And so the Lord, like, and, and I, I almost feel like... <laughs> I mean, if I, I talked about our building last week, I almost feel like this is a prophetic picture of what the Lord is doing, is that the, the glitz and the glam, those are going by way of the past, okay? What the Lord is beginning to do now is raise up companies of people where everything's stripped down, it's more real, it's more raw, it's more authentic, because that's what He desires on the earth. It's like the, the, the days of plastic Christianity, I believe, are coming to an end and I believe that's a good thing and so so we have this opportunity if you like this in my notes I'm just like sharing right now that like we have this opportunity to do things and do things right and and I believe the Lord has been setting us up for this like like obviously the Lord knew that what happened with COVID-19 like he knew that before the creation of time right he knew that we would be alive in this moment It didn't catch him off guard. And so it means he must trust us to handle things in this moment. Because he can choose when we're all born, right? The book of Esther, that you were born for such a time as this. And so he trusted us with this season. And I believe he's trusting us with this season. And if you want to, even for us specifically, the last three and a half, four years, I feel like everything that we have done has led us up to this space so that we would be okay when it happened. Like I, I talk, and again, it's no secret. I talk to a lot of pastors, talk to a lot of people just involved in the church world, and all these types of things. And and it, like it's breaking, it breaks my heart what I'm seeing right now and what I'm hearing right now. I'm getting people that are calling, and and like I, I talked to someone last week, or it, it was last week. I talked to someone last week, and and not that numerical whatever is is the end-all be-all I believe it was of the old paradigm or the old wineskin okay but what happens is is right now because you don't know if it's safe or it's not safe basically it depends if you're a Democrat or Republican what you believe right now is what's going on in society and so we have these men and women of God that are trying to do the best that they can to lead their churches and what we're seeing across the board in the United States and Canada is most places are running about 25 not 25 percent but they're down they're down 50 to 75 percent of what they were before COVID-19 hit what we have online attendance is what they'll say. Well, really not. And I'm just going, really not, because most people when they're watching online are on their phone and they minimize the service and they're scrolling through playing on Facebook when they're doing it. Okay? It's just the truth. It's just the truth. And so most of them are down to 25% of what they were and they don't know what to do. 
And I feel like everything that we have done up until this point, and listen, we've made a lot of mistakes the last few years. I have as, as a leader. I've made lots of mistakes. But I feel like everything we've done of just being a people that go after the presence of the Lord is why we're in the shape that we're in right here and right now. And like, like I, I, I don't like what's going on. It aggravates me and frustrates me what's going on. But then I'm also not nervous. I'm like, man, I'm seeing people more on fire than they were a year ago, right? I'm seeing people actually getting in the Word. I'm seeing people begin to pray for one another. I'm getting texts from people saying, I prayed with so-and-so at work this week that uh, four years ago, I'd have been like, there's no way that would have happened. And I believe it's because the Lord's gotten us ready. He's raising up people for this time. Okay? Now, I'm not preaching elitism because I don't think we're better than anyone else. Okay, I really don't. I don't think we're better than the church down the street. I just think we're doing the best we can with what the Lord's told us to do. Okay, I'm just pointing out what I have seen across the board. And people are frustrated and discouraged. And I had someone ask me the other day, they sent me a message and said, do you really feel like God's moving the way that you portray it online? I'm like, first of all, I'm not portraying anything. <laughs> like the Lord really is doing something really good in this time and in this season. And so, and they're like, well, how many are you running? I'm like, a lot less than you think we are. They don't matter. I'm not going to despise the day of small beginnings. Because this seed that the Lord has planted here in Louisville, Kentucky, is much bigger, is much bigger in the spirit than we're seeing in the seeds right here and right now. Okay, and so the eternal, I mean, what, what's the eternal impact of our teenagers coming back from camp? And all, all, all six of them expressed a call. Like, what's, what's the eternal weight of that, right? What's the eternal weight of someone that was on fire and then they walked away from the Lord and now the Lord's starting to bring healing and restoration back in their life again? Like, what's the consequences of that? What's the consequences of us a few days a week getting together and praying in a room, right? Like, like what's like the, the consequences of those things? I say consequence because I think it's jarring. But, but the consequences of those things is much greater than we can see it's much greater than we can see and so we have to be a people we have to be a people that just value the presence of the lord and that sounds so silly like you know we could listen they they taught me they taught me when i was going through nazarene bible college how to run a church service i was in a i can't remember the name of the class but it was this 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 it was how to structure a service like, they teach pastors to do those things on how to structure a church service. And not one time was I taught that you needed to value the presence of God. Wasn't taught that whatsoever. I, I was taught the mechanics of church. I was taught how to run a board. And I was taught all these types of things. I was taught, like, how to run a board. It's so silly to me now to think of these things that we get so stressed out and worry about. And I think, yeah, they're important. But in the grand scheme of things, they're not all that important. And so, I mean, they're really not. I, I, I can remember, I can remember, I've told this before, I can remember sitting in a board meeting four and a half years ago at another church, and we sat there for 40 minutes arguing if we should spend an extra $20 to replace a light bulb, and, and the, what we were arguing over, what I wasn't arguing, I actually started banging my head on the table, true story, but we were arguing over if we should spend the extra 20 bucks and get an LED light versus 
is a standard light bulb. And I thought, if this is what we're arguing about, I'm out. Because those things don't matter in the grand scheme of things. What matters is the presence of the Lord. Okay? And, like, I, and hear me, I'm not angry. I'm just saying that we've got to value this because this is what the Lord's doing. The idea of doing church, we could do church without God. Seriously, we could do it without the Lord. We, we know when stand up, sit down. We know, say amen at this right time. Preach a, a, a sermonette that tickles ears, that gives you three ways to have a better marriage. And there's nothing wrong with those things. I just don't want to do those things. Right? Or five ways to get along with your neighbor. It's like, pray for your neighbor and you're going to get along with them. Right. I just, so anyway, Jesus... <laughs> Exodus 25 8 says this this was, the, this was the Lord he said let them construct a sanctuary for me that I might dwell among them Amen. that was the Lord speaking God's longing from the very beginning is to dwell among men yeah. and women but I just use men God's plan was to dwell among men from the get-go. And he didn't have to do it that way. He could be like, I'm going to create this, and I don't know, like, a, like I'm going to create man, and I'm going to put him in this, this little ant farm type thing and just let him go and go check on him occasionally. That wasn't what he wanted to do. He wanted to live among us. And walk among us. Genesis chapter 3. Walk with man in the cool of the day. That's been his plan. And ever since the very beginning in the fall of man, the Lord has been putting everything in place to bring that back to fruition. His original intention. Right? Why did Jesus came? He came to seek and save that which was lost. What was lost? Communion and intimacy with God. And so... Right now, I believe the Lord is raising up companies of people that just say, I just want this more than anything else. I want this more than anything else. Psalm 27.4, one of my favorite verses, King David. David said, one thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord in His temple. He, he, the, like, like this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. To say, I just want one thing. There's things I want, but there's only really one thing I want, right? There's things that would be nice, but there's one thing that I want, and that's him. David said, one thing I seek. And, and when David says, one thing I seek, he says, one thing that I beg for. And I want you to understand, like, when he says seek, seek isn't like I'm just looking for. He's like, one thing I beg for, one thing that I have obsessed over is that I might dwell to abide, to sit, to remain in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Well, he's not talking about being in a church, although he built the tabernacle of David, because now we have new covenant Christianity where he lives inside of us and we abide in him and he abides in us. 
right? So David's like, this right here, union with Yahweh, is what I desire more than anything else in this life, right? That I might dwell in the house of the Lord. House of the Lord, I've never looked it up until this the other day. House of the Lord means the womb of God. Not, not, the, not the room, but the womb of God. David says, I want to live in the place where he gives birth from. Like, that's wild to me. I want to live in the place where everything comes to fruition. I want to live in the place, the holy of holies, the place where he, he begins to impregnate me with hope and, and love and peace and joy. I want to live in that place. That's the only thing I want out of this life. And I believe what he's doing in this reset is he's raising up a generation of believers that just says, this is what I want. I don't care about bounce houses out front of the church. I don't care about coffee bars, although I like coffee bars, right? I don't care about this Easter program and this Christian Christmas program. Those things are great. Those things are great and they're wonderful and the Lord uses them. But sometimes we've made the mechanics of the church bigger than the one that we come to church for in the first place. Okay, And I'm saying if I have a bigger priority on whether or not we have hot coffee and sweet donuts than the presence of the Lord, then we've got priorities wrong. And I believe the Lord is raising up people that say, I just want Him. Now hear me, those things are important. I, I, those things are good. I'm not bashing those things. I'm just saying we, we, He's looking for a people that just says, I just want Him. Amen. And David, David gave us the example of, of, of ascribing, ascribing to, to give the correct value to the presence of the Lord. Like you understand, when we say I ascribe value to something, it means that I demonstrate and I show value to something. Okay? And so he gave us, I believe, the, the perfect picture of what it meant to ascribe the right value to the Lord. And, and, and so, so when David, let me phrase it like this, before David became king, in the process, you could read First and Second Samuel, just amazing stories. But when David was in the process of becoming king, and, and King Saul was in place, the nation of Israel was in disarray. There was turmoil, there was hurt, there was brokenness, there was all these things going on. Actually, their judges, like the judges during this time, they would take bribes, <laughs> They would take bribes, they were perverse, and they were dishonest. They lied and they would spin things so that they could get their agenda across. In my mind, it sounds very similar to what's going on to today, right? Or what's going on today is that we have people in power that are manipulating, that are lying, and I'm equal opportunity offender, man. It's the left and it's the right. They're both wrong, okay? And so... So we have all this stuff going on. You have the perversity of Hollywood. You have all these things going on in the world that's trying to say these things are normal when in fact they're not normal, right? So they're doing all these things and, and there's this complete and utter disarray. And I have to say that I believe that the reason why the, the nation is in disarray today is because we have tolerated a lot of stuff and accepted a lot of stuff and said this is the way it is rather than getting on our face and saying, Lord, would you come? All right. So again, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I promise you I'm not angry. We, we've got more leaks than or more holes on the roof this week than like Swiss cheese.
The whole system was based on immorality and corruption. God's word was rejected and his presence was neglected. His word was neglected, his presence was rejected. And you could switch those up, I just did. And, and again, it sounds like today. And so David becomes king, and David's king, and he decides, you know what we need? We need the ark back. We need the presence back. Instead of basing everything around the earthly king that was set in place like they wanted to do, David's like, we need to make God king and place him in the center of everything that's going on. And so that's what he does. He goes and, and he, he, he goes and he gets, I'm going to paraphrase a whole lot here because I actually think in a few weeks we'll get into a lot of this, the story of David. But he goes and he brings the Ark of the Covenant back and he places it in the center of his city and begins to construct the tent or the tabernacle of David around it. And he, now what's amazing is that he put... He put God's presence, the king was right here, and the palace was right here. Meaning that government, earthly governmental authority, was in the same place that the Lord God's authority was. There was no separation of church and state. There was, it was saying, David was saying, I can't run this thing without the presence of God. I feel, I, I feel the email messages coming this morning. I feel them. David crowned God king and made worship and prayer central to his government. Central to his government. It wasn't something that we do one day a week. David's like, look, if I'm going to govern, if I'm going to rule, if I'm going to reign, it's going to be because the presence of the Lord is here. So it's like, why are we praying so much throughout the week? Is it because we're bored? Is it because we all like to drive 35 minutes to an hour to be here multiple times a week and use up the gas and so we feel like we're good Christians and we're earning our way to salvation? Or is it because we're starting to recognize that we can't do this without His presence? Now, now, David, what's amazing is he, when he set this tabernacle up, this place that, and tabernacle just means tent, to, it's a place that hosts his presence, right? This would be a tabernacle. We host God's presence here, all right? Our home is a tabernacle. We host God's presence at home because I, w- I want us to be the type of people that think that what happens here should be happening at home as well, all right? And so he sets everything up. He sets everything up in the center of his government just like what John the Revelator saw when he had that revelation of Jesus in the third heaven. And and Revelations, specifically Revelation chapter 4. He set it up. And so hundreds of years or years and years and years before before John the Beloved, right? John the Apostle or John the Bishop over Ephesus. Hundreds of years years before John got caught up on the Isle of Patmos in that encounter, right? David gets a revelation. And a lesser covenant got a revelation and of how heaven is set up and how I'm going to set it up here on the earth because we want on earth as it is in heaven. So, so David, he sets this up. Now this is mind-boggling to me. Is that 
is that he, he sets up this thing and he instills this worship and prayer that goes on and he, and he actually sets it up to where it is 24-7 worship and prayer going on all the time at the center of his government. Now, he had four prophets that led worship. Four prophets led worship at all times. I think that is a picture of the four living creatures in Revelation chapter 4 that flew back and forth. It's just mind-boggling when you start looking at this. There were 24 elders that led 24 worship teams, right? In Revelation 4, there's 24 elders that are constantly throwing down their crowns in worship, right? And so there's these 24 elders that led 24 worship teams. It's like, why did they have 24? Because he assigned them one hour a day. Now, by the way, this was their full-time job. They had no other jobs. They had no other responsibilities. Their sole job and sole purpose was to minister unto the Lord. Not receive ministry from the Lord, but to minister unto the Lord. All right? They had 24-7 worship going on. It's like, well, where's that? Well, 24-7 worship has been going on around the throne ever since before the existence of time. Right? That's what those four living creatures are doing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Right? Those are the ones with all the eyeballs. Now, 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 I just love that one. <laughs> Freaky. <laughs> now listen, this is some of the logistics that David did. So he had 24 worship teams. He had four prophets. And, and all prophets would do is, 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 the reason why he had the prophets lead worship, by the way, is because prophets, all they were doing was they were hearing or seeing what God was doing in the moment, and they wanted to do that very thing right then and there. All right? Now, they also had 4,288 musicians and singers that were employed or that ministered unto the Lord full-time. 4,288. You can go get this from all over the place. And it'd be, uh, uh, goodness, first, second. Samuel talks about it. I, I can't remember what chapter in First Kings off the top of my head. But it talks about all this stuff that he set up. Chronicles, Second Chronicles 25 talks about it. It has all this stuff, all these different places. They had over 4,000 people. That their sole job was to worship and minister to the Lord. See, when you sing songs, you're not just singing a song. You're actually ministering to God. So like when we pray, we give ministry. Like, like when I pray for someone, like it, it brings peace and comfort to their heart. That's what it typically does, right? So when we minister unto God, it pleases His heart. So it's the, same, it's the same mindset. It's the same principle. So you're doing more than singing. You're actually ministering unto God, all right? And again, not just here, but in your day-to-day -day life. I actually think it pleases the Lord probably more when you have the ability to do it when you're all by yourself because it's more difficult. Because who you are in secret is really who you are. They also had 4,000 gatekeepers. And basically... Gatekeepers, they weren't people to let people in and out, but they attended the daily needs of what was going on in the temple. So they were the people to pick up the trash. They were the people that held the door open for others. They had 4,000 people that just did that. That was their act of worship and dedication unto the Lord. 4,000 of them. So right now they have almost 8,400 people that just did this full time. Now here's what's mind-boggling. It's in today's dollars, the amount of money this would have costed, or would have cost, not costed, grammar police. Anyway, the amount of money spent was an estimated $30 million a month for 30 years. 
That's a lot of cheddar. $30 million a month. Today's money, $30 million a month for 30 years. Now, now it's like, that's a, that's a lot of money. What, why, why did he do that? Because he valued the presence of God. All that because he thought, I can't do this without him. And if this is what ensures. Now, I'm not telling you to go spend $30 million a month. I just think that if we're going to host his presence in our church and our lives, it's going to cost us everything. And so David, and, and, and David goes and he just builds this thing for the Lord. Builds this thing for the Lord. I dream, I'm going to read this verbatim. I dream of the day where we can establish this here. But I also dream of the day when each of our homes are immersed in his presence because of the intrinsic value that we have placed upon it. I dream of the day where this is going on here in some way, shape, or form all the time. And it's hard to say because, again, we're just a small company of people, but I, I just think it's just what the Lord's doing. Uh, and, and I'm hoping over the next few weeks that we'll probably start talking more and more about this because uh, uh, you can read Amos. In the book of Amos, really, Amos prophesies that this is what will usher in the return of Christ Jesus. Not good church services, but when the tabernacle of David is restored. And there's places on the earth that are doing it. International House of Prayer has been doing this for over two decades in Kansas City faithfully. They started off in a trailer not not what they're in now, but a a janky trailer, right? I mean, just it was bad what they started off in. Upper Room in Fort Worth, Dallas has been doing it for almost seven years now. There's other places all around the globe that are beginning to catch this revelation that we're supposed to be a people that don't just worship Him one day a week, but my whole life is an act of worship and devotion. So when you're getting your kids up out of bed, that's an act of worship and devotion, right? When you're sitting there in your living room and you're like, I don't know what to do, and you turn on worship music, what you're doing is you're turning your home into a tabernacle of David and you're beginning to worship him which makes him come closer than he's ever been before okay I can't underscore the importance of that now this this is okay this would be kind of like the warning all right this would be the warning to us as a church because we're starting to do this multiple days a week, all right? Now, what we're doing is meant to engage the heart, okay? And, and so, not to say it fulfilled a religious duty. All right, hear me. It's like when, when you read your Bible every day, are you reading it to fulfill a religious duty or are you doing it to engage your heart? Okay, it's, it's the same principle. Now, I think where we can miss it, where we can miss it if we're like, when we come into this place, whether it's Sunday morning, right now Monday, Wednesday, or Saturday, when we come into this space, we're coming into this space because we want to minister unto the Lord, not because I feel like I have to. I want to. There's a difference. There is a difference, all right? So, so I'm just going to read what I wrote verbatim because that helps. Let's not get so busy with activities that we disregard His presence. Now, I'm not saying we're doing that. I'm just saying we've got to be careful. We've got to be 
mindful of that. In Luke, in Luke 2, starting with verse 41, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's one of my favorite stories because it's relatable, right? I can remember, I'm going to read the verses here in just a moment. I didn't ask him if I could tell this, but it was when we were still doing Friday nights. How many parents have ever forgotten your kids somewhere? No, I guess we're just the worst. <laughs> it was that Friday night, it was a few years ago, and we actually, we didn't really forget them. What happened was, is I thought April had him, she thought I had him, and we get a phone call that no one had him. <laughs> I can remember going to a football game years ago at Midland Christian. Remember going there? And, and Art and Lori forgot Silas at the football game, and they left. Maybe that's just, maybe that's just the Perkins thing, and, and it's not because... <laughs> anyway, I never tell family stories like that. But you can get so busy in what's going on, you for, can forget the most important thing in your life. Because we didn't forget because he's unimportant, because he's the most important thing in our life and has been for the last 15 years. In Luke 2, 41, let me just read it. Now his parents, talking about Jesus, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when it became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Get this. They're going every year to this church activity and they forgot Jesus. Like, that's mind-boggling. <laughs> the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. <laughs> but, but supposed him to be in the caravan. And they went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. It's like they, they went to grandma and grandpa. They went to all the relatives, and then they went to, like, we met this dude two weeks ago. Maybe he knows where our kid's at. Right? I mean, like, they went to the acquaintances. They went to, like, at Kroger, there's this one person who always says hi to me. That what, and I always go to their line because they're, like, so much faster than everyone else. It'd be like me going, like, hey, dude, you know where my boy is? Like, like that's who they went to. They had ran out of all options. And they're like, do you know where our kid is? And so they went to the acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days... After three days, they found him sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. We'd have been like, do you know what you did to me? Right? To our kids. But do, do you know what you did to me? got hit with water from the roof and he said to them why is it that you were looking for me did you not know I had to be in my father's house but they did not understand the statement which he had said to them and verse 51 he, they went down and and, and, and he went down and came with them to Nazareth, and he continued in sub, subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor of God and men. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, so they 
for, there's all kinds of stuff that happened in here, and I'm making light of it because in my mind, it's how do you forget Jesus? <laughs> Mary, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. <laughs> I'm thinking, my boy's pretty special, right? <laughs> how do you forget him? Now, this is what's frightening to me. It says that <laughs> they supposed he was with them. They, supposed, they took for granted that he was with them. Joseph and Mary went to the Passover feast. They did this every year, literally, religiously. They did it every year religiously, and it took them three days to figure out. It would be like us coming here and throwing a, a throwing, having a worship, throwing a worship service. It would be like us coming here and having a worship service and supposing and taking for granted just because we decided to meet, he would decide to be here. Just because we sing three songs and take an offering and have a, have a message. Like this is, this is what has gotten the American church in trouble is because we've supposed too much. We've asked him to bless our efforts rather than us asking what is he doing and us getting on board with that. And so, so, so the warning would be this. Let's not make everything that we do so rigid and rigorous that we suppose he's with us. We want to be a people that's moldable and pliable. And some people that drives absolute bonkers because it's like, I need my structure. And like, I like structure. I, I really do. But what I want more than anything is to hear from him. Okay. And so, so why didn't they know he was with them for three days? I think it's because they didn't value his presence enough. Like, like, we made an honest mistake. We didn't go three days. <laughs> He'd been ticked. <laughs> They'd probably called CPS on us or something, right? Like, how do you forget your kid who, by the way, is the Savior of the world, that's been prophesied as a Savior? How do you forget, forget that He is not with you? How do you not take notice after three old days? Like, how do you not take notice after 12 hours? How do you not take notice after 45 minutes, right? But what's scary is it happens all the time. Because I'll say this too often that what's happened, I believe what the Lord is doing is changing this all around the nation. But too often what's happened is, is that we, we, we think about Him on that hour and a half, and, and if we're really efficient, that hour-long service on Sunday mornings, and the rest of the week, he's not even a thought. And I believe what the Lord is doing in this hour with this stuff that's happened on the earth is he's giving us an opportunity to actually think about him more than this time when they were together. Seriously, like, like I, got, I, got so, I got so convicted Wednesday night when my wife prayed. Wednesday night... Wednesday night she prayed and, and, and this, this happened to us several times the last few weeks. Is she prayed and repented because she had forgotten her Bible and didn't know where she had put it. I had misplaced my Bible three times the last two and a half weeks. Had no clue where it was. I got so convicted when you prayed that. This week I was sitting there thinking... How many times, even, and, and not so much anymore, this is just the truth, but in the early days, I would leave it in my car. 
and I would get it out of my car on Sunday to bring it in because I wanted to be looking like a good Christian. And then when service was over, I'd put it in the back seat and not get it back out until that Sunday again because I wanted it to be perceived as something that I wasn't. Maybe that stings a little bit. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> but what I believe the Lord is doing is he's raising up companies of people all around this nation that say, I'm going to value him. He's the biggest thing in my life. He's the most important thing in my life. I'm going to center everything around it. And we're, we've got it. We've had, we've had people that's moved from all around the country because you made him a big deal. Sacrificed and given up everything because we've made him a big deal. Because we've ascribed a certain value to him. And that value is immeasurable. That value is immeasurable. And this, this is what I believe. And I hear my heart because I'm not angry. I just, I just felt really led to just like. And I don't think it's really a problem here. But I think those that want things to go back to the way it was before all this mess happened this year. I think they're going to be sorely disappointed. Because I don't think it's ever going back to that. Praise God. One of my favorite preachers, uh, and, and I used to struggle with this language. One of my favorite preachers, a guy named Jeremiah Johnson. Not Robert Redford, Jeremiah Johnson, but an actual guy named Jeremiah Johnson. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Like a really, really long movie. But anyway, he, talk, he talks about, the, he uses the word remnant. The Lord is raising up a remnant of people. That'll say, y'all go ahead and do what you're doing. It's okay. But we're going to go after God. We're going to put him at the center of our world again. We're going to put him at the center of our life again. And that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. And so when I look around this room, when I look around this room, you know, I see, I see people that they're making him the center of their worlds. Even the ones that couldn't be here today for whatever reason. He's becoming the center of their world. And I think, man, what would it look like all these kids in here are raised in this type of atmosphere? What's it going to be like for my boy that we didn't always live this way? What's it going to be like for the last three and a half years that we have him under our roof? What's it going to be like for our daughter that's coming in a few months to be raised where he's actually the center of our life, right? Do you understand? What's it going to be like for those who come in off the streets that's just say, I don't, I don't know what's going on here, but man, I, I, I just felt like I needed to walk in the door, Amen. right? What's it going to be like for them when they see a company of people that just say, all this other stuff's not important? Like we've talked about, we've sang stuff, we've talked about this stuff and the holiness movement, we've talked about forsaking the world and we've talked about not living like the world. What's it going to be like when actually they come into, across a group of people that's living like that really is the truth? Yeah. Not, out of, not out of duty or obligation, but doing it out of like heart sickness for the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Like... I think I heard, I think it was Dana Candler that used this language that her heart has been wounded by love. Yeah, I think it is. It's in her book, Mourning for the Bridegroom. Like, I feel like my heart's been wounded 
God, I just want him. I want to give my life to it. Now, the thing is, everything that I was taught, not everything, but a lot of what I was taught, man, I had to be like, I don't know. And even now, working on a master's degree, some of the stuff, I'm like, this is really great and it sounds good, but never going to do that. not but looks good on paper just want to be a people that chase after him one last thing and I just want to pray I mean here let me say this there's lots of churches that are doing this it's not just us we're there's lots of places there's lots of places that are living this out, and I'm thankful for that. Yeah. I don't want to make it sound like we're we're got it all figured out because we don't. We're not the only ones. That's right. It's all over the place that people are catching this vision that the Lord it's really leaking them. Maybe that's the anointing that's starting to run down the beard of Aaron. That's hitting me. <laughs> He's just raising up people. So I just want to pray because I got really distracted when I just had water hit me. But I don't think it's water now. I think it's the Lord's pleasure in what we're trying to do. So, Lord, I, I don't really know what to do. I don't know how to end this. And so I would ask this morning that you would just let us be a people that value your presence to the degree that you want us to value it, Lord. Yeah. Hmm. I would ask, Lord, that you turn every house, not just this house, this church, into a tabernacle of David where we just worship and we pray. There's equipping. But I would also ask, God, that you would turn every home into a tabernacle for your presence, Lord. You have, from the get-go, you have desired to live and walk among men. So I would ask, Lord, that you would turn every house into this, Jesus. I would pray, Lord, that our houses would be places that when someone that doesn't know you, when they walk in the door, that they would sense there's something different. I would pray, Lord, that when they walk through the door across the threshold, Lord, that they would sense the manifest presence of God. May, may, they, may they start weeping. May they start crying, start shaking. I don't know, Lord, but I just pray that they sense that God Almighty is in that home, Jesus. May this be for the case for every home that's represented, that's represented by this congregation, Jesus, by this family. Lord, may we be a people that value you above all else, Lord. And I know I, I, some of this sounds feels so repetitive to me, Lord, because I feel like this is just becoming the message of the house. But I would pray we don't get bored with hearing this stuff, Lord, because I would pray that we never get bored of you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
I would pray, God, that you help us never to take you for granted. I would pray, Lord, that we would be a people that never do anything out of duty or obligation, but we do things based on what we believe that you are worth, Lord. I would pray, Lord, that we never suppose that you're with us, but I pray that we start getting on board and saying, well, you're lingering behind, so we're going to wait. Or I would pray, Lord, that we would see that you're moving ahead, and so we're going to move forward. I would see, Lord, that you're moving a little bit quicker, so we increase our pace, Lord. Or I would see that you're moving kind of slow, so we're going to linger and wait and just see what happens, Lord. May we be a people that just solely walk with you and we never leave you behind. I would pray this, Lord. I prayed this before here, but I would pray, Lord, that we, when we walk out this door, we don't say, see you next week, Jesus. I would pray, Lord, that we say, we come to the revelation that you live inside of us and, Lord, that you are always here and you always want to be here, that you're near, you're closer than a friend, you're closer than a brother, God. I would pray, Lord, that we come under the revelation... Hmm. I would pray that we come under the revelation, Lord, that you want us to be aware of you 24-7. I got so convicted of the thought the other day, Lord, that I thought it had been like six hours since I had thought about you. That wasn't intentional. I was just busy doing stuff. That I, that I, I, I would pray, Lord, that we become more aware of moment by moment by moment that you're with us, Jesus, because we place such a high value. So, Lord, we love you and we bless you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give them praise. Amen.